Hi there, and welcome to Veterinary Journal Club. Welcome back. And uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about something that Topher wants to talk about. Uh, so this was his uh, show idea and the topic he wanted to do. So Topher, why don't you talk about it, what you want to talk about today? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking that you could talk about when you should discharge a patient or give it back to the, the clients and how like, you do that. Yeah. Like, how do you know when to do it, mostly? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not a vet. <laughs> um, I work is, in retail. No, it's a good, it's a good question. It's a good time. topic. Yeah, give them what they want. So I think there's a, a few different ways to approach this. Um, and it, it, there's some individual differences in how people uh, um, kind of view this topic not so much view the topic, but just how they behave, like what decisions they make. And, and I've observed differences in different veterinarians and students, interns, whatever. One thing I've learned is that <clears throat> your level, <clears throat> excuse me, your level of experience and your level of comfort with when to um, send a patient home is for some people does change over time. I know mine has. Um, and so, so I'll when just, you started, you lean towards what? And now you lean towards what? I was like, I'd be afraid to discharge things. Like, I yeah. just have to keep everything here until I'm sure. Um, and I've, I've gotten much more confident in discharging patients yeah. over the years. It's but, funny. You'd yeah. think, like, logically it would be the opposite. Like, Maybe. as you learn more and know more, there's more things that you can do. It's like, oh, we need to keep this patient here so I can do this. And that might be Whereas some it's, people are. It's like, can you renew? It's like, I can't do anything with this. Yeah, I, I think bring it back if it, it breaks again. It's like, yeah, it's, it's your philosophical approach. So I will share with you my philosophical approach. Um, and so when when I think about like if if you have to go to the doctor, um, which you don't ever do, right? Mm-hmm. Tover doesn't like to go to the doctor. Um, but if you have to go to the, let's say you're you're sick or injured, and you have to miss work. Mm-hmm. Your doctor's job is to get you back to work, right? Or get get you back to like your normal daily activities. Um, you know, you, hey, I'm missing work because I'm sick or injured. You know, my back isn't working or, you know, I threw up my shoulder or I have this whatever illness that prevents me from doing my job. And so your doctor's job is to get you back to work and your normal functions or whatever. Again, whatever that happens to be. And that's how I view my job is to get, you know, the pets back to work. I mean, the vast majority of pets job is to be a pet and to it's be to a companion cuddle. is to cuddle. Yeah. Um, is to be at home. They can't do that in the hospital. Certainly not effectively. Yeah. You can go, oh, then come visit. But uh, that's not the same. No, you're supposed to be, when I come home from work, you're supposed to greet me at the door. Be like, oh my God, I'm so excited to see you. And then bake for food. So, you know, we get that out of the way and then we can go back to thinking that you like me for me. Um, but I mean, but really like if I'm sitting there reading and, you know, you come and give me a boop while, um, you know, yeah, it interrupts my reading and I'm like, oh, it's so annoying. But secretly I'm like, oh my God, I love this. Thank you so much for showing me you love me. Right. You can't do that. pet can't do that if they're in the hospital. So I want to get the pets home, um, as, as quickly as I can. You know, and the tragedy of, of, you know, certainly dogs and cats and the vast majority of animals that we have as pets is that they don't live long enough. Like there's no, there's, there's no dog lifespan that is long enough. Except for parrots and turtles. That's why I said dogs and cats. Um, That's why I said for, for the vast majority of um, pets that we use for companionship, um, even the ones that, you know, live a long time, it's not long enough. Um, but so I want as many of the days that you have with your pet to be spent with you at home. That's their job. That's sort of how I view it. Um, so I'm always 
looking at everything we do through the lens of how am I going to get this pet home? How do I get this pet home? And that's true from the moment they come in. So even if I know this pet needs to be hospitalized because it's very sick and it's going to need some, you know, fairly intensive care, but I'm always like thinking, okay, but everything I'm doing needs to be in some way, shape or form, you know, how getting this patient home. So if I'm doing a diagnostic test to find out what the illness is so that I can treat it and send it home. Um, if I'm doing a treatment, it's to make the animal feel better as quickly as possible so that I can send it home. And I think for me, it's really important to have that in the back of my mind because pets lingering in the hospital, they're, they're, they're out of work. <laughs> they're not doing their job and they're not um, fulfilling that, um, you know, that space that they're there to fill for both them and for the the clients, right? Because I mean, it's not like the pet's like, oh yeah, I got to get home so I can, you know, catch up on my, on my, my soap operas or I, I don't know, but like that's their fulfillment, right? Is to, to be at home. No matter how great your hospital is, it's not as good as being at home. You know, being a patient in the hospital, if anybody's ever been hospitalized, it's yeah, it's a necessary thing, but nobody wants to be there. It's like, oh my God, I love it. The food here is amazing. Yeah, there's no um, The turn down service. Yeah, I didn't get my mint. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, you're in the hospital. You don't want to be. Nobody wants to be staying in the hospital. So how am I going to get them home? But you have to balance that, right? Because I also don't want to send a pet home too soon and have them boomerang right back in. So we want to make sure that we send them home ready, um, ready to go home. And so there's a few different ways that we can um, approach that. I'm pretty sure the cat, yep, here he's going to jump up on the table. You're supposed to cuddle with us, not destroy the table we do our podcast on. Anyway, he's, he's not doing his job correctly. Somebody needs to give him some feedback. You're his supervisor. Um, anyhow, sorry, HIPAA wanted to be part of the show. At any rate, um, there's a few different things that I think of that go into kind of big picture things that I think about, like, when do I feel comfortable sending this pet home? And, you know, every day a patient that's hospitalized, um, you know, I go through the list of things that they need and I reassess or that I, they needed yesterday. Do, I, do they still need this? And do they still need this to the same degree? And I'm always thinking about these are things that we're providing in the hospital, are these things that either as they are can be provided at home by the by the pet owner or can I modify them to make it the kind of thing that an owner could do at home? And so, you know, so the obvious thing for that is medications that we're giving intravenously. Is there an oral formulation that we can give orally? Yeah, that's not many, not many people do IVs at home. We try, try to avoid that. And there are some people who want to try and, you know, there's exceptions like, oh, no, I'm a physician. I can totally, no, we're not going to do that anyway. Um, that, you know, there's certain things that need, you know, constant monitoring and so on and so forth. Um, but if there's a, you know, we're giving this antibiotic IV, um, is there any reason I can't give it orally? Maybe the patient is, you know, vomiting or nauseated and it's not going to take it orally. You know, th there's lots of reasons why we might not be able to, but I want to think about that. Like, can I switch this over, um, and make it a treatment that the clients could do at home? I have an off topic question. Oh boy. Yeah. So as a vet, you're not allowed to do any medicine for people. That is 100 percent correct. Yeah, yeah, but what about like a like a people doctor? Like, say you have um, such also and such illegal. Bowl. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to do it for the their pet. No, no. Now, I mean, I'm pretty sure that like you know the the lawyers are not looking for physicians who are yeah, you know, medicating they, their own pets. But no, it's practicing tell. practicing veterinary medicine without a license. There was actually a, a, a legal case. A few years ago, um, it was in like one of the natural disaster areas. There was like a hurricane or you know, with uh, subsequent flooding and things like that. And there was a woman who was 
um, rescuing a bunch of these animals, but then she was also administering a bunch of medications and she was not a veterinarian. And I actually didn't look into the ins and outs and the details, but it was one of those situations where somebody obviously alerted the authorities and was like, hey, this person is practicing veterinary medicine without a license. And that's against the law. Um, so, no, you can't do that, even if you're a physician, well, um, because sure. they're different. I wasn't yeah. sure how it... Uh like what it would fall under since now, like pets if, are kind of considered yeah, property-ish. Um, but it's practicing veterinary medicine without a license. Now, yeah. if a, you know, a physician comes in and is like, yeah, well, I just decided to give my, you know, dog some antibiotics because he seemed a little off. I'm going to be like, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have done that. Um, but am I going to turn him into the police? No. Now, if he's like going around to all the neighbors and, yeah. and you know, I think he did service. something like, I don't know, like, like a kidney transplant whoa i'd be like you should be writing this up um no and there are circumstances where like we actually do um you know we will work with um, sometimes our physician counterparts on various cases and things like that but it's under very specific circumstances um so no you're not allowed to practice veterinary medicine without a veterinary license um i know sorry uh but it's not it's not a huge issue um because that's not where the money is Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's be honest um uh, but if you're doing that for like your own pet, I don't think anybody's going to, I don't know where the, the legality is with your own personal pet. That might be actually totally okay. I think it's when you start doing treatments for other people's pets, it mm. gets dicier. Anyway, that was very off topic, but anyhow, where were we? How do you know when to send? Well, if it's a physician, you should definitely keep it in the hospital as long as possible so that they don't muck up the whole plan of treatment and do it themselves because they're a real doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so things to think about, you know, what can I what can I change about my patient's treatment plan that could be things the owner could do at home? Thinking about things like physical therapy, thinking about, you know, nutrition support. Um, I'm a big fan of putting feeding, tu- feeding tubes in patients that um, aren't willing to eat on their own. And if I think that's a temporary thing, then maybe putting a feeding tube in. That's a way to get the, the pets home sooner. I actually really like to use feeding tubes not for giving food, but for giving water. So for patients with like kidney disease that have really high water requirements because their kidneys are broken and they can't concentrate their urine anymore. So they have this obligatory polyuria, meaning they pee all the time and therefore they have to drink a ton of water and sometimes they just, they won't drink enough. Um, but we could put a feeding tube in and tell the owner. know if they're drinking enough. It's hard to k- keep track of. Yeah. So we can just be like, here, give some extra water through this tube. Um, so that's a way to get pets home earlier than we otherwise could if we had to rely on only IV medications or fluids. Um, so making sure, you know, not all of the things that we give injectably are available in an oral form. Pain medications is going to be the the typical example of this. So some of the pain medications that we give in the hospital, we don't have great oral options for those. And so making sure they're comfortable on oral medications, those are going to be the big thing. So, you know, what is it, can the, does the pet have to be a hundred percent back to normal before it goes home? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think that's a mistake that um, you know, veterinarians and sometimes clients think is that he's not perfect. And you're like, well, no, but like, you know, you, yeah, he was hit by a car. You've been sick at home before, right? Like you stay home from where you just chill out. And um, I think the home environment is going to be far less stressful than the hospital environment for a pet. Um, so less stress, it's less scary. I mean, imagine how, again, for if you've ever been in the hospital, like it's not a fun place to be. Most people don't like to go to the doctor. Be like, oh, this is, I just like to hang out here. This is super fun. It's really quiet. No, none of that is true. And so that's not an ideal situation for healing. Um, so the more stress, it, it, but add on to that, I have no idea where I am. 
this place is really scary. And every time I turn around, somebody's poking me with something. And, and it there's sounds all these other awful. animals yelling. And now there's smells and there's noises. And then I saw a dead animal go by a little bit ago. Like, where the heck am I? That's got to be so scary for our pets. And so if I can get them out of there, again, like, I mean, I work in the ICU. I feel like it's a pretty good place. We do a good job. But it's still, like, from a pet's perspective, so far worse than being at home. Yeah, on the couch. Yeah, way better. Let's watch some Netflix. Um, so... If I can get them home, I, I want to do that. Um, as Is there a study on that about um, how like stress plays a role? Like extended stays in the hospitals having other effects? Um, I mean, the, certainly the longer you're in the hospital, other complications can start to arise, like hospital-acquired infections, things like that. But as far as just like depression setting in, um, no, it's one of the things we talk about, but I'm not aware of any specific studies looking at just like... Yeah, it's hard uh, to do because it's like the longer the pets stay, usually they usually already sick. have a right. yeah. bad prognosis. No, you'd have, to, you'd have to almost randomize it um, to just be like, how long does sitting in this cage, you know, affect... Yeah, I'd, it'd be really hard to do. Um, but... Again, I, I don't. I don't think I need that study to know that it's better for pets to be at home yeah. if possible. I feel fairly confident that that's better. I know it's it. Anyway, um, so I want to get them home. That's that's the bias that I'm coming from. Um, but you ha- you have to be careful, right? Because you know what are what is the client comfortable with? Um, how far away do they live? What is the animal's underlying disease? Um, those are all some some factors that I will consider. Uh, you know, clients that work all day, they're gone for 15 hours a day and there's nobody home to monitor that pet. That's got to factor in versus somebody who works from home or is retired or there's multiple people in the household and between, you know, everybody, there's almost always somebody at home. You know, those those are scenarios that can dramatically impact the timing for me, at least of when I would send a pet home. If I know that somebody's going to be there watching them, I'm going to say, yeah, that that's, that sounds great. I, I could probably send that pet home sooner than the people who are like, Hey, yeah, no, we, we both work full time and you know, it, we, we still go into work, even though there's a pandemic, we're not, we're not working from home right now, or we're really busy or we're actually getting ready to go out of town for a couple of days. All those things kind of have to factor in. Yeah, you would know how often they're checking. Are you checking every hour? Right. Or are you only there at night, so yeah. you're checking every 15 hours? And then you're sleeping for that time. So, um, and, you know, those things factor in. Sometimes I'm like, hey, I, I don't know how this is going to go when we discharge your pet. So let's make sure we discharge you on a weekend when you're going to be around and see how it goes for a couple of days before then you go back to work. Like, that's something that I'll sometimes consider and say, okay, well, we could send you home on Friday, but you're going to be gone all day. So we can either send you home Friday afternoon or you're going to be home or Saturday morning. Like, we, so you, you're going to have to talk to the client a little bit and kind of, you know, not pry into their personal life. Be like, so tell me what your work hours are. But just, you know, get a sense for what are you doing when you go what, home yeah um because some people maybe they're not working but they're out and about doing all sorts of other things like hey maybe that's not going to be the best plan for the next couple of days are you able to rearrange your schedule for a bit um you know those those are things we we have to factor in um also what's just the physical abilities, right, um, of the client. So you've got a big dog who's limping and it needs help getting outside and you're on the third floor of a, a condo, maybe we have to keep that pet in the hospital a little bit longer versus like, you know, a chihuahua that can be carried downstairs. Maybe that's something that can go home sooner. So, you know, those are some things that factor in if you have a client who is disabled um, in a wheelchair has, you know, um, who knows what, what type of, you know, situations they have, you have to factor that in. So there's no one size fits all, unfortunately. Um, 
but you have to have that conversation. Then there's the client's just general comfort level. You know, they're also trying to balance out like their eagerness usually with wanting to get the pet home. I want him home. I want him home. I want him home with also their fear of, uh, I'm, I'm freaking out. Cause you know, when he got sick the first time it was really scary and he looked really bad and I felt really awful and I didn't know what to do. You know, is this client a panicker or are they somebody who's, you know, very reasonable and rational and, um, you know, do they live two hours away from the nearest veterinary clinic? You know, are they out in the boondocks? Are they out, um, where it's going to be really hard for them to get help. Um, those things, again, have to factor in. So there, there are a lot of things that are specific to each client that really do factor in for me. But at the end of the day, I think, given given what I know about this client and what I know about the patient, is there anything that we are doing here in the hospital that the client can't do at home? And if the answer to that question is no, then we should be sending that pet home, period. You know, um, And I'm the, the thing I think really... Um, younger doctors tend to do more of is I want to keep them in the hospital for monitoring. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Because monitoring doesn't treat anything. It's like, it's just because you're scared and you want to see what happens. Because the way I think about it is there's only a certain number of days that this pet has at home with his family. And I would like him to spend as many as possible at home. So if you're just like, I, well, I just want to see what happens. Well, you know who else wants to see what happens? The client. And they can probably do it too. So again, depending on how comfortable they are. So sometimes I have the conversation, you know what? We could go either way. You know, where, how far away are you from us? What's your comfort level? What's your schedule like in the next few days? Um, I think it's reasonable to send, you know, your pet home and see how things go. And then here's a very detailed list of the things I want you to watch for. You know, does that sound something like, are you comfortable watching for those things? Because I want to have a plan, right? Mm -hmm. Because we'd all like to get it exactly perfectly right. That we don't um, send uh, pets home too soon, but we don't keep them in the hospital unnecessarily long. Um, but we're going to get it wrong sometimes. There are going to be times, it's harder to know, and I think this is where the, everybody's comfort level gets in. If you kept a pet in the hospital too long, how are you going to know that? Yeah, the clients aren't going to see that, whereas if you send it right. home too early, they're going yeah. to totally see so that. So I think people tend to err on the side of keeping pets too long. Frankly, that's yeah. that's my opinion. You keep them too long because it's like, well, what's the worst that happens? Well, they spent a bunch of money that they now can't use to spend on a recheck down the road or the medication that they need. I don't know. Like, I think that's a real important consequence of like spending their money unnecessarily. Um, but also bad things can happen in the hospital that might not happen if they're at home. Um, you know, again, anxiety related issues. They start to develop stress, diarrhea. Everybody has they're just dealt in with a smaller that. space. Too. Um, they have IV cat. Yeah. They're just, um, they have IV catheters in that can get um, secondary infections. Any tubes that we have in them can develop infections. And the longer those things are in place, the, the more likely that is to happen. So it's not that being in the hospital is completely benign. Um, it's just when those things happen, we go, oh, it's one of those things that happen. And I'm like, well, not if they're not in the hospital, not all of them do. Um, so again, there's just the other side to consider. So it seems like people keep the, like doctors keep the pets more out of worry. Yeah. A hundred percent. Necessity. What do you think of the, think so we so. had the folks from vet measure on not yeah. too long ago and they had like oh, the, yeah the wearable device that you send it home and the doctor can still see yeah. so they can Get monitor it. Yeah. You think that'll like, I think that has potential to be a cool thing. Yeah. Make other doctors like more comfortable sending something home. I mean, I think cause you still, you can't, 
Like if you see that the the stuff's going wrong, you can't do anything about it. But no, but you could say, "Hey, I'm alerted. There's a problem. You need to come in, meet me at the clinic." Yeah. Um, I mean, that's really what monitoring is meant to do, right. right? Is to pick up on a problem as early as possible so you can intervene before it becomes a major issue. I mean, that's all monitoring does, right? So, like you know, one of the classic examples um, would be like a, a patient uh, after surgery, and you're worried about um, the incision dehissing, right? Well, means de- like oh, sorry. no, it means reopening of the suture. Yeah. So the sutures kind of break down and that can happen because the dog was chewing at it or just there was de-hissing a problem. Sounds like something that um, like if you have a pet snake. And <laughs> yeah. And you, you like want it not to bite. Yeah. You. Yeah. It's like debarking, de-hissing yeah. your snake or de-hissing yeah. your cat. I guess you could de-hiss a cat. Yeah. Yeah. No, none of that. Nope. We're going to remove your hiss box. That mm-hmm. sounds weird. Anyway. Um, so no reopening of the, the surgical site. And you're worried about that happening. And we know that like the three to five day window is when that's most likely to happen. But having it in the hospital doesn't necessarily reduce the chance of that happening. Now, we might do a better job of keeping the e-collar yeah, on. I guess it's, and yeah. that. But like when it happens, you're like, oh, there you it is. We need faster. to. Yeah. But like, it, so that's so I said, if the client is a three hour drive away, maybe right. that matters. But if they're 10 minutes down the road, come on in. If you yeah, have most that problems, ability. it's not that. Yeah. Time sensitive. No, usually not. Um, and, and so you have to factor that in too, right? Like if it's a patient with respiratory distress and you send them home and they're, you know, you know, even 30 minutes away might be enough to say, mm, let's keep it a little longer. So there's definitely cases where you're going to err on the side of caution. Be like, let's stay a little bit longer until we're in a little bit better shape. But at some point you want to send them all home. I mean, the, the worst thing, not the worst thing, but one of the things that I get really sad about is patients that just sort of linger in the hospital. And you're like, these are days they could be spending, like say they have a terminal illness, they've got terminal cancer or something like that. And we're dealing with some complication of their chemo or um, they had some other procedure or they've got, you know, end stage heart disease or kidney disease. And we get them to where like, they're okay. They're not great because they have this, you know, chronic, you know, end stage disease, but we've got them to the point that they're doing all right. Get them out, get them home, spend a couple, even if it's only a couple of days, I'd rather they spend them at home with their family than here in the hospital hoping to get better from something that they're not going to get better from. Right. So yeah, if it's a terminal patient, if you treat the, whatever the thing is, it's still a terminal patient. Exactly. Yeah. So we're like, we're managing it, trying to make them feel better. My goal is not to get them to a hundred percent because that's impossible. Um, but I just want to get you good enough that you can spend some time with your people. Um, so, and we can't always do that successfully and that's, that's fair, you know, and you know, you get five different doctors lined up and they're going to have five different plans and that's okay. I'm not here to say that mine is the right one, even though it is. Um, I just want people to think a little bit more about, you know, every single pet that you see, their days are numbered. They're not long enough. There's not enough of them. And the more that they can spend at home, the better. Um, and most of the time, if you send them home, especially if you have that conversation with a client, you say, look, we're going to try this. I can't promise it's going to go well. Are you comfortable with the fact that we could send your cat home and she doesn't start eating right away, in which case you might have to bring her back in? Is that something you're okay with? And if they're like, no, we don't want to take her home until we're fairly confident, okay, then we wait. Or they say, yeah, let's give it a shot because maybe she's more likely to eat for you at home than she is for me in the hospital because that's often true. Um, But just say, hey, I can't promise you that this is going to go perfectly. Um, and sometimes you think everything's going to go great and they have to come back anyway and that stinks, but that's life. Um, we shouldn't plan for that. It shouldn't be like, yeah, this one will probably come back. Well, then you shouldn't have sent it home. Um, unless, you know, you had to because of finances. That's the other thing that we'll factor in. Sometimes we send things home. I think that's maybe why I've become more like get them out, get them out, get them out is because I've seen so many over the years that I've had to discharge earlier than I wanted to because of finances and they did great. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had cases where I was like, oh, I, I'm really worried about this one. But like, they're out of money. We got to send them home. And then you talk to them in a couple of days and you're like, oh, this is going to be terrible. Like, everything's going wonderful. And you're like, that's that's exactly right. That's a, that's what I thought was going to happen, <laughs> you know. And that's why we sent them home. That's early. right. It had nothing to do with your financial limitations. No, I mean, and there's definitely cases that I send home, and I feel like this isn't going to go well. And sometimes it doesn't. But there are plenty of times, uh, you know. I think just the body's an amazing thing, and it, it has it does most of the healing. It does. It, well, it does almost all of it. We just kind of help it along. We're like here. Let me just guide you in this direction. And it's like, oh, cool. Let's run with that. You know, or let me just sew these things back together. But like me sewing something, a, a wound up doesn't do the healing. Like the body has to do all of that. I'm just kind of holding it together in, in the meantime. Um, and it's really good at it. You know, most of the time I like, I, I like to say that um, our patients get better in spite of us, not because of us. Um, they're going to get better most of the time, you know, or, or they're going to get worse. I, I feel like we, we can not move the needle all that much. We're moving it just a little teeny tiny bit in, in a few directions. I mean, there's definitely some really cool cases where like that is dying and I'm going to save it. Um, and that's awesome. Um, but even that's a bit of an overstatement. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a chance to survive is what I'm going to do. Um, and then it's going to do most of the work. I actually use that speech with clients. I'm like, okay, we did all the easy stuff and now I'm leaving all the hard stuff for you and here are your instructions and I make a joke about it even though it's mostly true um, <laughs> because yeah the long-term recovery is kind of it's kind of tough um I don't know did I answer your questions I think so but I guess another thing is it's ultimately it's the client's decision no whether the, no. the pet comes home or not but no. if they're it's like a joint decision because some clients would be like keep my dog forever and you're like no come get your dog we do have people that are like, yeah. oh, I'm busy. And you're like, I'm not too busy. Come get your dog. Um, but it is a joint decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but they do have a say. On the client. Uh, largely. Um, like, but based on our recommendations. Yeah, it's like, I'm not comfortable carrying my dog in a sling to go to the bathroom. Well, there's a difference between I can't do this and I'm not comfortable because there's definitely a subset of clients who, if you're like, you need to do this, like, oh, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Okay. I need you to get over this because your pet needs to go home mm -hmm. because there's, you know, I, I've had clients um, that are like refusing to take their, they're, I don't want to take her home until she's perfect. I'm like, well, I guess you're leaving her with us forever then because that's not a thing that we can achieve. Um, and also she needs to do her healing at home. She's going to heal better at home. And so sometimes it takes a little like psychiatry that I'm not licensed for. Um, and sometimes it's just like, you need to come get your animal because there's literally nothing we're doing for them here that, um, that you can't do at home. Sometimes they're not even on medications. There's no treatments or we're staring at them. We're like, this is super unfair. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent up to the client. Yeah. It's really a joint decision between the veterinary team and the family. But we all, we make our recommendations, but we, I, again, it's not like you will do this. You will do, we need to take their, um, input into account, um, but I think just like, you know, what treatments I do are not up to the client. They have a say because of finances or, hey, I'm not sure if, if this, this, I think this is, plan A is the best thing. Um, plan B is reasonable. Plan C is okay. You get a choice in that, but it's not like you're just going to come in and be like, I want these things. I'd be like, well, none of those make sense. So no. Um, so it's a little back and forth, a little give and take, but it's not entirely up to the client. No. They just have a, they have a vote <laughs> in this democracy. <laughs> Um, that's rarely an issue though. I mean, they're mostly, they want your recommendations. What do you think? How do you feel? Um, you know, I think if you are able to do A, B, C, and D, then I'm totally comfortable with you taking your pet home. Um, if any of those things don't sound like things you can do, then we need to come up with a new plan or maybe we just need to keep him for a couple extra days. You know, it's, it's a conversation. Um, but it's not them dictating and it's really not us dictating completely. 
for the vast majority of cases. Every once in a while, though, it's like, no, you have to come get your dog right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I always find that weird, though, when there's a client who's like, oh, well, yeah, but we're having people over tomorrow. Can you just keep him another day? I'm like, oh, my God, aren't you, aren't you like missing your dog terribly? Don't you want to come get him right now? Like the people who are chomping at the bit to be like, can I take him now? When can I come get him? What? I get that. The ones who are like, eh, so I'm like, why do you have a dog if he's an inconvenience for you? It's just when we have people over. Well, maybe you shouldn't have those people over. What were you going to do if your dog wasn't in the hospital? Shouldn't be having people over right now anyway. That's right. There's a pandemic. There's a pandemic. That's right. No more fun with people. Have fun with your pets because yeah. we're sending them home to you. You're welcome. That's usually that's usually my discharge speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's your pet. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. That was a little bit rambling, um, but I feel like we got through the main things, yeah. you know. Send animals home. Yes, they want to be home and their people want them to be home. Unless they're currently bleeding. Yes, that is the one thing that you should keep hospitalized. If they're not bleeding, get them out of here. (laughs) Um, No, do your best um, and try to get them home as quickly as you can. Um, Your patients and your clients will thank you. Ta-da! 